For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And, you know, it's always good when, you know, we could get both perspectives from both sides. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Believe in Texans. I am one part Ruben Calvillo, joined by the handsome man as ever, Harley Dugan. And we have our guy, Mark Burden, Believe in Steelers. Welcome to believe in Texans. How's it going? Fellas, thanks for having me in Harley. I love the floral shirt. It's looking oh, yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. Week four, Steelers, Texans. But I'll tell both of you this, having been to Houston, Texas once in my life. Mm. Lots going to be made of this matchup. Rookie quarterback, kind of the two AFC teams stack up. J.J. Watt getting inducted into the Texans ring of honor, all of that. The fajitas at El Tiempo in Houston, Texas. Mm. Are, hey, are among the best hey, I've had in my life. El Tiempo okay, Fajitas. Bro, I'm no way you. you brought that up. My <laughs> best friend, my roommate, Naomi, El Tiempo is her spot, right? She gets the picture margaritas. Mm-hmm. She gets the fajitas. She's and doing it's it right. Rap. Shout out yes. to El Tiempo, man. Ooh. I just had to throw that in there. Ooh. I'm not even kidding you. Anyone who visits Houston, I'm like, go to one of the locations and you'll have a fantastic meal. No, man. Excited, you know, for you to be joining us. Saw on on, on Twitter a, a picture of Hobby Lobby Airport flooded with the steel <laughs> curtain. You guys travel well. Absolutely. And uh, there's Steelers fans all over the country. And it was funny, too, even in Vegas last weekend where a lot of Steelers fans will say, hey, I'll make this my vacation, go to the city of sin, gamble a bit on the weekend, and I'll just happen to go to the game. But it's funny with newer fan bases, uh, I see this a lot with the Chargers too, with Steelers fans all over the country, and a lot of times they can make an away stadium like a home field advantage. And I thought that was evident during the Sunday night game against the Raiders this past weekend. Saw a lot of terrible towels in the crowd. I hate those terrible towels, man. Oh, come on now. Oh, I can't stand it. Man, I, I just can't stand it, right? It's like not only do you have to deal with the loud ass crowd, but then you have to see the flange, you know, the flags just flying in the air. You don't know what to do. But Harley, week four is here. You know why this game is important at H Town? JJ while returning. How do you feel it? Before I get in, because I could get really hyped when it comes to J.J. Watt, and and that's rightfully so. But I got a great story with the Steelers because mm. I was I was raised very old school. My dad was born in 1962. I'm only 26. All right, so my dad seen many Oilers Steelers games, and he absolutely despises <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm glad you brought up that terrible towel. Because I have a fantastic story with my dad. He apparently, Steelers-Oilers game during the regular season, was one of the few times the Oilers actually beat the Steelers. And uh, so my dad was there at the game, few few beers in him, a few alcoholic beverages in, in him. And uh, their Steelers fans traveled well. And they traveled well back in the 80s as well for some reason. I, they had something called the Steel Curtain. I mean, who knew, right? I, I heard they were pretty good. And uh, – so, uh, you know, my dad's there with a few friends of his, and uh, they're beating the Steelers pretty bad. They start talking some noise. They're feeling themselves, you know? And, uh, you know, these, these Steelers fans started uh, calling them all kinds of names, very uh, harsh remarks to him. And, uh, you know, he said you could get that terrible towel and shove it up your ass. How about that? Got in a few fights with the Steelers fans. His buddy was so drunk. Uh, he ended up urinating on a Steelers fan. Ooh. They got kicked out, never went back to, to, to the Houston Oiler game ever again. They're supposed to be banned for life. Thank God they moved out of Houston. Well, <laughs> now my dad can out. go to a football game. 
they didn't know what the hell his buddy was doing. He's never seen his buddy do that and ever act like that in his life. It was a crazy experience. Uh, and then they walked to their cars and there was a bunch more Steelers fans um, that met them outside in their car. So that was that's a great, great and disgusting and fun story to tell. I had I had to let my dad's piece, though, because if he was here right now, he would say that catch was inbounds. And if you know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. That's an old, old, old reference. But we'll get into J.J. Watt because, you know, we'll get away from the past. Stay, we'll stick with the present, even though we will divulge into the past a little bit of J.J. Watt. But we are always hyped when it comes to anything. J.J., uh, the city of Houston gets turned up another notch. Uh, it was electric inside stadium for NRG Reliance Stadium when it was beforehand. I mean, we're hyped, man. This game means a lot to us. When you look at it as a four-week increment, and I know you have that extra game, you know, you look at this in four-week increments, you could look at it like, hey, we could go two and two potentially in four weeks with everything we've been thrown at as a franchise with this offensive line, and it's going to get worse Sunday against the Steelers. Yeah, um, we're definitely hyped for this game. I love it. I love it. I, um, I'll say this. The last two times these two teams played in Houston, you had the DeAndre Hopkins going to do some butterflies in the end zone, and the Steelers were up big. And our guy, Vince Williams, decided to post up right next to him and do that. So if we could recreate that somehow on Sunday, I think we'd have some magic, fellas. Man, that was a hard thing to watch because y'all were beating our ass, and it was like close to the holidays. <laughs> And, you know, it's like DeAndre, he gave me some points in fantasy. I'm like, oh, you know, this is a good little president of Steeler. Just gets there and you see how instantly he get mad. No, you know. Well, <laughs> by all accounts, too, Williams is one of the was one of the toughest players on the team yes. at the time, too. So uh, it, it was cool to see that. But you guys have a rookie quarterback that you should be very, very excited about. And it's like through three games, he hasn't thrown a pick. Mm. If you want to go on the other side of the ball too, Anderson off the edge, he might not have the sack totals, but he's already getting double teamed. I think there's only two other players who have had more double teams against them. So he's already wreaking havoc up front. So like, yeah, they're rookies, but they're going to take the identity set by D'Amico Ryan's your first year head coach. Like for me, you guys are playing with house money in this game because for this to be even a three-point game, if you can even compete with the Steelers, that to me is almost like a win. Mm. And you see what they do to the Jags in week three, and it's like, look, most Steelers fans, when they saw this game on the schedule, oh, yeah, it's a win. This is not going to be a give-me game. It won't be. It won't be. So it's like, you know, you're playing with house money with a rookie quarterback and a first-year head coach, and – I like what I've seen from Straub thus far. And, and even if you say, oh, well, the one and two record ASC South Division, where we're not where we need to be. Look at the other rookie quarterbacks right mm -hmm. now, right? Bryce Young made it through two games before he's supposedly hurt. Now, apparently he'll be back from an ankle injury. I personally think that the Panthers just didn't want to play him up in Seattle. Richardson's already out too with the Colts. So it's like, you might have best of the bunch. I know it's a three-game sample size, but like you guys should be really, really excited in Houston for the first time in some time because if Stroud can stay healthy, you can get some weapons around him in future seasons. I know the Texans can't run the ball right now, but Stroud has looked good so far with what the Texans have around him. And when this team takes in the identity of D'Amico Ryans, there's a reason why Robert Sala, who was the former 49ers defensive coordinator before Ryans became a head coach, I think they're going to take on the identity of their head coach. And, okay, what have the 49ers done defensively for, I don't know, hmm, the past five seasons? Heat-seeking heat missiles defensively. Mm -hmm. you, you see those boys flying around at every level of their team. You guys, have to, you guys are playing with house money right now. Again, first-year head coach, rookie quarterback. If you, if, and it's week four right mm. now, too. This team's only going to get better and better in the coming weeks. Well, we're feeling dangerous. You know, not only has he not oh, thrown – Now we're going Baker Mayfield on me. Okay. Not only has he not thrown an interception, think of that. but he has the third most passing yards in his first three starts behind Cam Newton – Justin mm -hmm. Herbert, right in front of Patrick Mahomes. C.J. Stroud is the reason why we believe we have a chance against you guys. 
Now the the key matchup is your front seven against our banged up offensive line. And I have to ask you, man, how is it like having number 90 just wreak happy for you? Two sacks last week, three quarterback hits, two tackles for loss. You know, if I'm TJ Watt right now, I'm licking my chops looking at this offensive line. Yes, and named the AFC's Defensive Player of the Month for the month of September. Now also the franchise's all-time leading mm-hmm. uh, player when it comes to sacks. Mm. And think about how many great defensive players the Steelers have had through their history. So with Watt, he's going to line up over an opposing team's right tackle. And the reason for that is most quarterbacks in the NFL are right-handed. So if he can get in the face of opposing quarterbacks consistently, tipping passes at the line of scrimmage, forcing fumbles at the line of scrimmage, sacks, the tackles for loss, a do-it-all player. And if you want to chip him, if you want to double-team him, triple-team him, he still finds a way to make plays, period. And so I I love Micah Parsons, the Bosa brothers, uh, Miles Garrett and Cleveland's awfully good. But like to me in Pittsburgh, TJ Watt is maybe not even just the best edge rusher, but the best defensive player in all football. And we saw last year when he was hurt with a torn pectoral, what the Steelers defense is with him versus what they are without him. It all starts with him up front. He he causes pressure off the edge. He makes every the, the, the defensive backfield, their lives a lot easier. And if you want to double and triple team him with the attention that he garners, other players like hmm, Alex Highsmith off the other edge going up against the left tackle, he's going to get one-on-one matchups, which he's going to win more often than mm-hmm. not coming off a season where he had like 14 and a half sacks. So uh, TJ Watt is a special, special player. And if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, we see JJ's headed for Canton. He might very well even be better than his brother because let, let me throw a few stats out for you. Oh, you're about to hurt when, Harley's feelings. <laughs> hey, hey, when, when TJ Watt tied Michael Strahan's single season sack record, he did so in 15 games. He didn't even play in all 17 games. He also led the league in tackles for a loss that season. And there were four games out of the 15 where he played. We played 50% or fewer of his team's defensive snaps. So if you give TJ Watt a 17-game sample size, I know he's on pace to break the record right now. I don't know if he'll keep pace. But this is a player off the edge. Like I think the Steelers not only have him line up against right tackles because most quarterbacks are right-handed, your best offensive linemen tend to be left tackles, mm-hmm. centers and left tackles, generally speaking. Uh, he's able to take advantage time and time and time again, regardless of who you want to line up across from him at the right tackle position. It's just the truth. Yeah, and before I let Harley go off, um, the Houston Texans potential starting offensive line will be Austin Deckley at left tackle, Kendrick Green at left guard, rookie Jared Patterson at center, veteran Shaq Mason right guard, George Fan at right tackle. Now, here's the thing. Austin Deckley is... LSU four-year starter, do you move him to right tackle but leave him at the mercy of T.J. Watt? I I don't know, but it's not looking good. And Orlando says, our O-line played well last game, to be honest. I have faith in them. Look, I do too, but you rarely get good back-to-back games from a bad offensive line. Harley, there you go. Uh, Man, let's get to the offensive line real quick before I talk about J.J. I mean – the O-line is, it was already bad. We already knew it was going to be bad going into this game. And then somebody must have said, it can't get any worse. And here comes Austin Deculus. And for Steelers fans that don't know who Austin Deculus is, let Texans fans know him very well. Um, I mean, he's not, he's just not good. I was just to quote Put it quite simply, he's the butt of a joke when it comes to a local radio. Like, it's just it's just not good, to put it simply. We saw him in training camp. He was there and just didn't look good. And this was against Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard and whoever else was in the mix. Jacob Martin beat him like a drum a few times. And now Martin's with the Colts, you know. So it's he's just not good, to put it quite simply. And to put him against TJ – that would not be smart. I think George Fan has actually played well at right tackle. Now you need to have him a legacy game against TJ Watt, but you know, 
I'm I'm so happy to hear you talk about TJ Watt. I was a huge fan of his. Obviously, you know, because of JJ, um, I just thought he was a special player coming out of Wisconsin. I remember the draft, and it's like, man, he's still falling. And then <laughs> and my dad's there were watching the draft, and we're like, God damn it, the Steelers come up in a few. Like Steelers and Ravens just seem like they know exactly who they're picking. And you don't want that certain player to fall to them. And it's just happening because it's destiny. Like it just, it's just how it feels like whenever it comes to both organizations. But JJ Watt, I, JJ, I, I, I'm going to stick up for my guy, JJ, because JJ to me, and, and Ruben's heard me say this before. And, and Mark, I'm about to, Ruben has a wild reaction every time I say it. Mark, I'm, you're about to get this reaction too. I I'm ready. J.J. Watt, to me, is the best player to ever play in the league. No. <laughs> I know. I know. I get it all the time. And and uh, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, I Jerry Rice. I think he's better than all of them. I really do. I do definitely no. believe that. Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. Sure, Lawrence like, Taylor I, created I, the position. I mean, Deacon Jones created the sack. J.J. Watt, before J.J., nobody – I don't ever remember looking at, at Fox on Sunday, CBS on Sunday, or even people coming out with quarterback hurries, pressures, batted passes. J.J. Watt was almost at the 20-20-20. What does that mean? 20 batted passes, 20 tackles for losses, 20 sacks. Mm. He was so close to doing that, and that was a big milestone for him to do. Batted passes was nothing that was ever talked about with defensive players from my knowledge, until J.J. entered the league. Then all of a sudden, oh, everyone, everyone's starting to bat passes. Everyone's starting to affect the defense in a in the offense, excuse me, in a different manner. So you know what? Prime J.J. Watt without the injuries, to me, is the best player to ever play in the league, I would say. And sure, I, I, I mean, now when I take my goggles and bias off, yeah, obviously, there's Lawrence Taylor. There's a bunch of other people, um, but but, but I, I'm keeping the goggles on, and specifically against T.J. Watt. No, J.J. Watt is the best defensive. No, the best player in the league. Here's where we'll agree is that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'll I'll agree with you there. Uh, he'll go in first ballot, no question in my mind. And uh, to me. You can also point to, okay, is on-the-field excellence. And I do want to talk some about turnover creation with him some. But what he did in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey is what all athletes should aspire for, in all seriousness. To help raise the money that he did from when his community needed him to be synonymous with the community, that to me, it epitomizes of what any athlete should aspire to be like. And that, to me, despite his prolific ability on the field, off the field to me, where it's like he'll always be a special player. And it's like you can never have enough Watt brothers on your team. The Steelers had TJ and Derek for several years. And then there were rumors when JJ was leaving Houston, could he join TJ Watt? And I'll say this, I would have loved to seen the Watt brothers line up opposite one another and said, hey, brother, I'm going to race you to the court. Well, that would have been nasty. He had 12 sacks last year with the Arizona Cardinals just imagine just them just meeting at the quarterback dude that is insane um switching to the Steelers offense you didn't want to talk more about Kendrick Green former Steelers legend oh, like oh you know what let me yeah there you go so hard you so when we traded for him all we the main thing was the Steelers gave up on him and moved him to fullback and he was didn't make any sense. <laughs> like like we, we were just like, you know, what are we going on now? He's starting games for us at left guard. Yeah, he was initially a guard coming out of Illinois, and he just didn't work with the Steelers. I do credit Omar Khan for saying, let me get a pick back. So thank you for that uh, with that trade, because he just wasn't going to play on this roster because the Steelers bring in. Isaiah Sayamalu out of Philly and Broderick Jones to help try to fortify the offensive line. Jones has started to play a little bit. He's not starting quite yet. 
uh, against another talented edge rusher in Anderson this weekend. You had Max Crosby in week three, Miles Garrett in week two, and one of the Bosa brothers in week one, which has been a gauntlet in and out of itself. But Green, when he started to get used in training camp as a fullback, it's like, is this something the Steelers are actually trying to do or is it a gimmick? Now, I credit Kendrick Green to say, hey, I want to try to help improve my team in any way possible. And he gets another opportunity in Houston now. But I listen to a lot of times what players say. And when Ben Roethlisberger goes on his podcast and says, hey, my center in my final year of my career didn't suit up for a single game in the 2022 season. So he was Roethlisberger starting center in 2021. He was not on the active roster, Kendrick Green, for a single game in 2022. It just kind of shows what his struggles have been. It's nothing personal against him, but the tape time and time and time again in Pittsburgh was that he wasn't getting it done. He goes back to his natural position at guard. Maybe he's better suited at guard than center. We'll see. And again, he'll have, he'll have his opportunity in Houston. What I'm curious to see is Sunday, is that a matchup the Steelers exploit? Mm. Or is it a revenge game for Green saying against my former team of saying, hey, you got you gave up on me too fast, too soon. That's a matchup I'm going to watch too because Cam Hayward's out for the Steelers with the groin injury. So you've got two young players up front in DeMarvin Leal, second-year player out of Texas A&M, and then Keanu Benton, a rookie mm. out of Wisconsin. Had a sack last week against the uh... – Against the Raiders, just, you know, we were talking about him as someone, you know, the Houston Texans to the drafts, uh, just clogs up the run, then so strong, he ended up getting to the QB. You know, I'll stick with the, uh, you know, the the Steelers defense. The secondary, you know, I feel like that is one thing the Houston Texans could take advantage of. Last week, almost a buck 50 or a little bit more to Devontae Adams, 88 yards to uh, Jacoby Myers, Minka Fitzpatrick leading the pack. How is your secondary doing right now in terms of like being healthy? I know they have old man Pat Peterson back there. I think he had INT last week. <laughs> he glitches. Uh, better in week three than it was in the first two weeks of the season. Levi Wallace had a really tough first two weeks. The corner opposite Patrick Peterson, he had two interceptions in the Sunday night game against the Raiders. So he looked a lot better. That was coming off a game in the Monday night game where Amari Cooper got the better of him. And then Jerome Ford had a long run where backside run support, you lose contain, you lose the game. And it's just sound gap responsibility. And he lost that. So he took a lot of criticism, rightfully so, but he looked a lot better in week three. Patrick Peterson, I mean, there's a reason why he was an all-pro for several years. If he could pass down that wisdom and knowledge of what he knows as an all-pro player in this league to a rookie, Joey Porter Jr., who's getting more snaps week in and week out, he's increasingly had more snaps. You don't want to put any rookie right from the frying pan right into the fire. But the Steelers, their two top picks were Broderick Jones at left tackle. Mm. Hopefully he can protect Kenny Pickett's blind side for the next decade, but then Joey Porter Jr. at 32. Cornerback was a position with the Steelers that wasn't good enough last year, period. And if you don't believe me, go pop on the Steelers-Eagles tape when A.J. Brown absolutely mm -hmm. ate us alive a year ago. And in 2023 and beyond, with such an emphasis on the quarterback and the passing game, you have to have sound cornerbacks that can hold their own against some of the top receivers in the league. Yeah, I we go back to Joey Porter Jr. I mean, does this feel like conversation is deja vu? I just said defensive players for some reason just there's a destiny for guys to fall within the Steelers and the Ravens organization. And I'm here looking at the draft going, there's nothing wrong with Joey Porter Jr. Like, what, what's going on here? What is this injury stuff going on? Like this guy is just fine. And then I'm going looking at, you know, I wonder who who'll take him. And then here comes, and then I'm like, man, he fell to the second round. Oh, this is ridiculous. The Steelers are going to take him. His dad's on the damn staff. I mean, this is a match made in heaven for the family son, you know, to come on in. That that's fantastic. But, uh, you know, I we we talk about the secondary for y'all. Let's, let's highlight some of our receivers, though. Uh, these guys that in training camp for the Houston Texans, these weren't household names whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And, yes, we feel a lot better with them because of the quarterback we have in C.J. Stroud and, you know, how he's highlighted Nico Collins from his first two weeks, not so much last week. But he's C.J. spreads the ball so much is what we've noticed. Yep. 
whether it's Nico Collins, whether it's Robert Woods when you need something in a pinch. Uh, Tank Dell had a fantastic game last week against the Jaguars. So, you know, besides them three, you had uh, Brevin Jordan resurgence all of a sudden last week. There's other guys that are all of a sudden now and are like, oh, okay, guys that we thought were dead in the water like Brevin Jordan and thought he was going to get cut. Boom, he finds his way in the red zone last week. So, you know, I, I'm wondering the the overall matchup with our wide receivers, who's holding down Tank Dell? Yeah, I, you know, I think the word you use that sticks out to me is spreading the ball around because when I'm just looking at box scores and numbers, it's like there's no clear-cut leader. But again, you look at Stroud's production and then the turnovers, which is going to be the big thing. If the Steelers can get pressure up front with a banged-up Texans offensive line, that creates opportunities on the back end. Now, what I will say, too, Patrick Peterson's almost playing a little bit more on the left side. They move him around a little bit, but on the left side, a lot like how they use Joe Hayden in the final years of his career, because Patrick Peterson's not, you know, spry like he was several years mm -hmm. ago in the prime of his career. He's on the back half of his career right now, probably the last few years. So Mike Tomlin, before he was the Steelers head coach, was the Vikings defensive coordinator for a year. And then he comes from the Tampa two system as a defensive backs coach for the Bucks back in the day. Mm -hmm. Steelers are playing a lot of zone coverage, and so, okay, why does all of this matter? When they brought in Patrick Peterson, coming off a year where he had six interceptions, Vikings played a lot of zone defense a year ago. And Peterson can play both man and zone, but he's not quite as quick as he used to be. And so the Steelers are playing, you'll notice they do play quite a bit of zone coverage, a lot of cover two coverage as well. It's not the straight-up man-to-man that you see, and that's in Mike Tomlin's image. And what I mean by that is when you think Steelers football, you think of the 3-4 defense and the Dick LeBeau and the great defenses. It's a little bit of a different style than what it is under Mike Tomlin, Terrell Austin, his defensive coordinator now. It's kind of more in Tomlin's image, and with that, if you don't have the corners to play straight man all the time, and it's not that the Steelers don't ever play man, they have played more zone defense and particularly cover two really in the last two seasons, more so than I've seen in previous seasons of Steelers football. Part of that's personnel. Part of that's more of Mike Tomlin's defense. No, man, that's the one thing we are hoping the Houston Texans could take advantage of is that secondary. You know, if we are able to throw the ball, because that front seven is going to be firing on all cylinders. Um, but switching to the, you know, to the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, Kenny Pickett. Now, I'm still not going to give up on Kenny Pickett just yet. I have about three of his rookie cards I need him to, you know, show out for me mm -hmm. uh, a little bit. But right now has not been playing good. Um, last week against the, uh, uh, against the Raiders looked decent. Two tutties, no interception. But against this Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryan's led defense, I feel like we can make some havoc for Kenny Pickett. We got Will Anderson Jr., hopefully a statement game in front of J.J. Watt. Uh, Harley mentioned all the time that um he is second in pass rush win rate behind Michael Parsons. You know, to me, before I give it to Harley, I think the, the partner in crime, Jonathan Grenard, I think he needs to rise to the occasion in terms of helping get to the quarterback. But Kenny Pickett, I'm not worried about. You know, um, got some thunder now. Um, no, uh, Kenny Pickett, thunder. Uh -huh. Maybe a sign of things that come. Who knows? Um, no, I'm not. I'm not sold on. <laughs> I'm not sold on Kenny Pickett. I, I got to see more. I haven't seen a lot from. I mean, I mean we haven't seen a lot from him in in regard. So, um, but I, I don't know. I'm from what I see, the games I see, especially you know, and it's tough to like just go off recency bias. We just saw him Sunday Night Football, right? Something. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, from the little I've seen, I haven't seen anything that goes, oh, there we go. You know, like there's there's always there's always something you see with each quarterback. It, it seems like you can't even explain it to some point, but there's always like, oh, that's that's a franchise quarterback. You know, and with Kenny Pickett, I don't know. I just don't see anything that keeps me that keeps me 
you know, attached to him quarterback wise. I just don't see a lot, but I mean, this is more so credit to the Steelers than anything. The talk around y'all's offense is fire Matt Canada, fire Matt Canada, fire Matt Canada. Mm -hmm. And yet this, this is the Steelers, right? This is Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. And throughout all that muck, they're still doing their thing. They're still sure. You might punch us in the mouth, but buddy, we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep standing. We're going to punch you straight back in the mouth. If not landed two, three times more, this is just Steelers football. It, it's it sure. It's a little different, but the forte and the mind set has been always the same. So yeah, sure. Sub-level average quarterback play. It don't matter. It's Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. They're going to come in here and give you everything you got. So you got to be ready as a Texan. Mm. Mm -mm. Shout out to Harley on his engagement. Once oh, again, thank you, thank got engaged about a week and a half ago. Congrats, man. <laughs> yeah, we got Believe in Steelers here, man. Shout out. This is, you know, why Believe is so special, where we're able to talk to opposing NFL teams. But, Mark, how do you feel about Kenny Pickett so far? You know the Spider-Man meme where there's two Spider-Mans just pointing at each other? Yeah. It's been the Steelers offense, whether it's Canada's play calling, his predictability, mm -hmm. the offensive line being poor, poor quarterback play, bad wide receiver play, running backs not doing what they're supposed to do. Like It's just like everyone needs to be accountable. Now, I'll lay some facts up for you, fellas. Mm -hmm. Met Canada became the Steelers' offensive coordinator in 2021, took over for Randy Feekner, whose contract expired. They say, let's promote Canada, the quarterback's coach. Since he became the coordinator in 2021, the Steelers do not have a game where they have 400 yards of offense. Every single other NFL team has at least three. Mm. So the offense isn't working, <laughs> and it's like it was better on Sunday night. They finally got the play action going. They finally targeted Pat Fryermuth. Tight ends are a position of strength, in my opinion, with the Steelers. Run more 12 personnel. Set up your play action where Kenny Pickett went 6 of 8 in week 3. You do have to establish the running game somewhat to do that. But when, when it's like the sum's not equaling the parts with this offense, and I would argue that you have talent at each level, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, players that have had success in this league. But the baseline has to be where you ended the 2022 season and in weeks one and two, where they only score seven points against the 49ers, albeit a very good defense. And then week two against the Browns, you say, well, they win on Monday night. And, you know, look at the scoreboard. Well, no, 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 no. The offense only scored 12 points in that mm. game. It was the defense and the heroics of Alex Highsmith in that game that led to two Steelers defensive touchdowns. And you escape a Monday night game that you probably shouldn't have won because if you're scoring seven points and 12 points on offense in this league with how football's played now, you're not going to win very many games. And so Kenny, uh, Kenny Pickett's development's tied to his offensive coordinator. And it's like, okay, if Canada struggles yet again, and this offense is dormant, they'll just let his contract expire at the end of the year, Matt Canada, and he'll be your scapegoat, but it's got to be better now if you want to go and make a run and say, hey, the Steelers are a year early with their second-year quarterback, and the clock's ticking because this defense is in good form, probably towards the end of its dominance, just looking at mm -hmm. how the roster's configured, and you also have Pickett on a rookie contract in his second year. If he's worth his salt, he will quickly outperform that rookie contract. Mm. We've seen that time and time and time again. The saving grace with Canada and the glass-half-full perspective would be Pickett advocated for him to stay in the offseason. And then how do you stunt the development of a young quarterback? It's rip off a, a Band-Aid and treat it with the Band-Aid instead of treating the flesh wound of when young quarterbacks struggle in this league, it's just, oh, new offensive coordinator, new coaching, and repeat, 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 repeat. That's the, the idea of keeping Matt Canada. But the predictability, like, fellas, when we're watching on TV, and we can predict what the Steelers are going to do. Mm. What do you think opposing head coaches, <laughs> scouts, coordinators are looking at when they have a full week to scout this team? 
And that's been the frustration with this offense. I could feel that frustration through here. I can feel that. I can feel it, man. We've been there. It's real. It's we real. have been there many times. So I'm glad we, we, we're we having some optimism now as, as Texans fans because, goodness gracious, we know what bad, off, bad offensive coordinators are, and we know that very much too well here recently with the Texans, man. Um, I wanted to ask you this, though. Um, you mentioned You mentioned a lot of zone with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know more details on it than I do because I hear zone. Jags played zone against C.J. Stroud last week heavy, and Stroud diced him up. Now, obviously, the defense is different from the Jags and the Steelers. I mean, players-wise, everything else, schematic, I'm sure as well. Terrell Austin has done an amazing job in his time there uh, taking over. So, uh, But I do want to know, you're saying zone defense – what are we talking with zone defense? Is it still an attacking zone? Heavy zone blitz is what I'm assuming. Um, but, you know, can, can you get into some of the details around that? Sure. I really think, you know, to, to not get too nitty gritty yeah. with X's and O's, what I, what I would say is this game's going to be controlled. It's a cliche, but one at the line of scrimmage. So what do I mean by that? The reason why the Steelers looked much better in week three compared to the first two weeks is and it's not flashy at all. They actually won time of possession. Mm -hmm. They held Josh Jacobs, the NFL's leading rusher from a year ago. The Raiders only had 69 yards total as a team. Steelers had 105 yards rushing and they won time of possession. I look at the week one game where the 49ers have the ball for almost 38 minutes. So your defense is out on the field almost twice as long as your offense. That's going to be the key to me because. Again, just looking at the stats, I haven't watched as much Texans football as either of you two have, but the Texans haven't been able to run the ball. And if they make Stroud one-dimensional in this game, as impressive as he's looked in three weeks, that's how this team's able to have success of, okay, what are the Steelers' strengths? Edge rushing is definitely one of them, and it's a position of depth. You have to know where Minka Fitzpatrick is. Now, if I'm the Texans, I'm going to try to get my running game going. How do I do that? you got to attack the middle. So what's different this year with the Steelers defense compared to previous years? The Steelers completely revamped their inside linebackers. They run a 3-4 defense. And so gone are Miles Jack and Devin Bush. And you bring in a Landon Roberts, Cole Holcomb, and Quan Alexander. Those three players get into the mix for the Steelers at the inside linebacker position. How you attack them is up the middle, especially considering Cam Hayward mm -hmm. is out. And don't forget... Brian Flores, who is your linebackers coach from a year ago and really helped shore up the running game, he's now the D.C. over in Minnesota. So that's, to me, how I would attack the, this team. I looked at what Nick Chubb was doing in that Monday night game in week two before he got hurt. I'm of the opinion if he hadn't gotten hurt, the Browns go on and win that mm. game. Mm. And so you, the Steelers two years ago in the 2021 season, they led the league in sacks but ranked dead last in rushing yards allowed. I don't know if I've ever seen that in NFL history before. They have a bend but don't break mentality, but it's attacking them up the middle to where you've had success in the front seven. I also think it's a little bit of a byproduct of playing in the AFC North division because mentioned Chubb and the Browns running game. The Browns always have a good offensive line. Then Lamar Jackson, too, is pretty prolific with the ball in his hands, too. And the Ravens always have a formidable running game as well. So your division opponents, it's four games right there where you're going to have to stop a strong rushing attack. If I were the Texans, that's what I would try to do is establish mm -hmm. the ground game early and it helps keep your defense off the field. And then playing mistake-free football, which is what Stroud's been able to do through three weeks. I will be very impressed if he doesn't have a turnover through four weeks after going up against this Steelers defense. I'm just going to be honest with you too. If he doesn't throw a turnover, I'm going to say this dude is just ready to take over the league. And yeah. like, it's, it's, well, the first week against the Ravens, we were saying, oh, very good game from CJ Shaw. We got to see it against the Colts. Almost those for 400. Then do, does this yeah. against the yeah. Jaguars. This is the one true test. And I feel like the NFL world is watching the Houston Texans right now. Let us know if you are real or not. This is the toughest team we are going to face right now. Maybe the toughest defense, the toughest pass rush mm -hmm. we face all year. If CJ Shot is able to do something without an uh, offensive line with four starters, your third start on left tackle, 
you know, all the vibes are going to be up here in Houston. You know, I think another key thing is somehow trying to stop George Pickens because he's been solid so far to start the year. I think it is three games with 70 plus receiving yards. Um, I don't believe he has a touchdown yet. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. But George Pickens, if, you know, no Derek Stingley, Steven Nelson is going to be the matchup on him. Uh, he is one person that I can see, you know, really giving the Houston de uh, defense some problems. Harley, anyone else that the that the fans should watch on the Pittsburgh Steelers offense? Ooh, uh, man, there's been a lot of fans talk. And I'm glad you 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 talked about this, Mark. There's been a lot of fans just like, oh, the Steelers got a bad run defense. Mm. I'm like, I mean, where, where are we getting this from? Sort oh, of. Sort of is what I would really, tell you. Because it just doesn't feel that way. I mean, when when someone says Steelers and then the sentence also says bad defense, I immediately <laughs> say, work. nope, nope, not that. That's false. That's false. Like, just anywhere in that sentence, if that's constructed out of someone's mouth or tweeted, like, I'm like, ignore. Like, I'm just – so I, I'm glad you did highlight that a little bit. I'm looking at it like, man, y'all played the 49ers. You played the Browns. Yeah. Both teams, 49ers have the best offensive line in football. I mean, they had a they had a joke around uh, NFL Fox on Sunday. Can an average person run a yard in the NFL? And everyone said no. But then Julian Edelman said, "Yeah, if you had the 49ers offensive line, you know." So that's what y'all went up against week one, and that was not pretty. I don't want to you know reminisce on that. The Browns. Nick Chubb, offensive line, like you said. I mean, they always have a solid run game when they had Chubb, Hunt, just Nick Chubb now. Jerome Ford still put up good numbers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, hey, those two guys, okay, then you held Josh Jacobs, in my opinion. Hey, we all saw last year house money on him. He just destroyed and became the leader in running rushing yards. I mean, y'all did an amazing job against him. I'm going, oh, okay, so – Maybe is it just a byproduct of good teams or, you know, I'm, I'm not going too crazy, but I will say this. What's the prediction, Mark? We're feeling, you know, as, as Ruben, Ruben, Ruben asked, said, you know, he's, he's Baker Mayfield. We're feeling dangerous. And hopefully that's, that's not, you know, tea leaves for a bad performance, but you know, we're, we're feeling really good and we're excited about CJ stride. We have that feeling I think me and Ruben have shared the feeling on last time's episode on Believing Texans that as long as number seven is suited up, you got a chance. Like that's mm -hmm. what the feeling is starting to become with CJ Stroud. There's not many players you can say that with. And this is only three games and it feels like an overreaction. It definitely does. But I'm slowly starting to set my feet into that mindset. So, you know, you don't have to say win loss if it's too early for you. Um, but what do you think is the prediction right now for you, Steelers, Texans? Before I go there, can I ask both of you a quick question? Go for it. Um, had the Panthers taken Stroud instead, would you have rather had Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson? Uh, is it hindsight 2020 or is it back in – because hindsight 2020, you're going Anthony Richardson. I mean, in which – we saw him, what he did with the Colts. Yes, he got injured. Um, injuries, I think, are going to play a factor, it feels like, in his career. We're starting to see something with this. He had some injuries in Florida, which, you know, that has to be talked about as well. So, But I was a Bryce Young guy. I have that no shame true. in that. I don't I don't care about being wrong. I, a lot of people, you know. I and there's still a lot of time, and I think it's like exactly. we know what the recipe for both of them will be to have success in this league, and a lot of it is going to be – fit organization personnel that you can put around them uh the re the reason i asked that was with young it really doesn't have a lot to do with young himself but it's mm -hmm. like the sample size of oh he could be drew Brees or oh he could be another undersized yeah. quarterback and it's like well the guys that you're naming are the exceptions not the norms when it comes to a mm -hmm. player of his stature i forgot you're you're uh you're from north carolina right yeah, and so, so people here are freaking out. It, mm -hmm. I live in Raleigh, but people here are freaking out about Bryce Young already and looks like he's going to play in week four. 
There are some people that didn't think he was actually injured because he never wore a boot. I, I don't know about the extent of his ankle injury, but they call it an ankle injury and he didn't play against Seattle. But on all things considered with Stroud, you have to say right now through three games, it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Get a bigger sample size. But after four games, I, I talk with Ike about this all the time. And when he played for the Steelers, the way they would evaluate it is where are we at after the quarter? And then where are we at after the second quarter and then the third quarter and the fourth quarter and breaking up a six, what used to be a 16 game regular season, now 17 games by every four games instead of, Oh, let's overreact to one game through three though. This kid looks really, really good. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think there's a ton of talent around him right now. Mm-hmm. Once you get him some help, what that's going to look like could be really, really special for my prediction. Your fans are going to be thrilled to hear this. I have the Steelers winning 24 to 20. I think it's going to be a close game, but it's not flashy. Time of possession, turnovers, those to me are really going to tell the outcome of this game. I like the Steelers' ability to do that from what I've seen. Hopefully you build off that Sunday night win. But if you regress and go back to what we saw during the first two weeks of the season, uh, those calls for Matt Canada's job are just going to get louder and louder Mm -hmm. and louder and louder. Traditionally, that's not what the Steelers do. They don't typically fire their coaches midseason, but you've got to see what you got with Kenny Pickett. Uh, you know, people can criticize Pickett too. His play hasn't been great at the quarterback position, but coming off a game where he had his first game where he had two touchdown passes. And um, what I would say with Pickett as well as this, you can criticize him and that's fine. Post Ben Roethlisberger, what was the Steelers' best option that would say that would tangibly be better than what the Steelers did in drafting Kenny Pickett with the 20th overall pick a year ago? And I'll be honest with you, I don't think realistically of who you could have either gotten in free agency, a trade, or in last year's draft, like Malik Willis is the third stringer now in Tennessee. What were the Steelers supposed to do in that situation? So all things considered, you got to play the hand that you're dealt right now, and we'll see if Pickett is the guy or not. It's a big, big season for him in year two. Mm. Harley, prediction. Um, I, I'm going to say this. We, uh, I, I want to say shout out to Mr. John Crumpler. Mm. If you don't know John Crumpler, he writes for the Texans Wire, <laughs> and he did a disservice to Steelers fans because this man upset Steven Nelson for no reason. Literally just stat pulled from NFL Next Gen Stats. <laughs> Steven Nelson got so upset and said that he's throwing a slight to him and his man coverage skills. So I say that to say this. Steven Nelson, I think he I, – I, I don't know what's up with him. I don't know what was in his Wheaties that day on Twitter. He was going after him. Legacy game for Steven Nelson. Aaron Glenn game. Aaron Glenn game. 2002 Steelers. We're getting two pick sixes from Steven Nelson. We're calling it here. We are calling it right now. Legacy game from Steven Nelson. I do think it's it's a close game in all reality. I think it's a close game. Uh, the defense for both teams, I want to see how good of a defense is ours stacked against the defense, uh, to the Steelers' defense. I always like seeing, okay, who's who's better? You know, how how far are we away from someone like the Steelers? That's how I always like looking at it. I'm going to predict the dub because I'm a mm. Texans fan. You know, we don't predict many losses unless it's the Ravens week one, I guess. Um, but um, we're going to predict the dub here. I'm going 2013. Um, actually, I'll go 2017. Make it a little bit closer than that. I, I definitely believe it's not going to – I just think it's going to be an ugly win. I just – that's it's what it feels like to me. I feel like this is going to be an ugly win but we got to put out for J.J. Watt. This is J.J. Watt day, all right? T.J. Watt might think he has something up his sleeve, and damn it, he might have four sacks in the game because we don't got no tackle to block him whatsoever. But with all that disgustingness going on on our offensive line, I do definitely believe we can still somehow salvage this dub, go two and two, and going 500 in the first quarter, as you say, that's pretty good for all the cards stacked up against us. I'm going to go 17-14 Texans. I do agree this game is going to be very close. It's going to come down to which offense makes the crucial mistake. You are in front of J.J. Watt. 
you are wearing the battle red helmets and uniform. Mm. The energy is going to be at an all-time high. I'm trusting my quarterback. I am trusting number seven. And if the Texans go two and two, the conversations you can have after are insane because does this team get playoff ready when everyone's healthy? I don't know. But Mr. Mark, thank you for joining us on Believe in Texans. Make sure you guys check out Mr. Mark on Believe in Steelers podcast. He also has former Steelers cornerback Ike Taylor. Hey, how is that? Dude, how like like how is he? He's the best. And uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to be on with John McClain, a longtime writer from the Houston Chronicle. Hey, the general. Covered the, <laughs> the team for 47 years. So we're excited to talk to him tomorrow. But Ike is my guy. He's a busy, busy man. He travels quite a bit, too. Uh, it's an absolute privilege to talk to him each week. And I learn something new every single time we host our show. But Fellas, thank you so much for having me on. And if I find myself in Houston, Texas, we'll have to meet at El Tiempo and enjoy some fajitas mm. together. Ooh. Ooh. We're going to hit up El Tiempo, and then we're going to go to Washington to all the clubs there. You know, have a very good time. Thank Sounds you wonderful. so much for being a part of tonight's episode. Y'all guys have a very blessed day. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.